It's the Dockiverse Podcast, Episode 50, Five Things Parrots Like. In this episode, we've got a monster movie review and instant places enhanced information. And now, on with the podcast. Hello there, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Doc Cross, and I'm glad you're here. I hope you've all had a few good days since our last episode. I want to remind everybody that today's episode will include, as I said in the intro, the enhanced information for Instant Places number two. So if you already subscribe to the podcast, you already pay money at Patreon, you can just go right over there and it'll be right up on the front. You can just download that uh, PDF and play along with the information that I give out. Or not. It's up to you. And of course, if you're listening on Anchor, you have the information, but you won't have the PDF. But you can solve that by going right over to my Patreon and picking that baby up for three bucks a month. And I've got at least six or seven more ready to go. Several are already up, scheduled to be released, and there's going to be a lot more. Now we move on to that part of the show where I thank my wonderful, wonderful patrons over on Patreon. They send me money. They keep things going. Starting in January, after way more than a decade and a half of having a free, which means I don't pay, uh, blog over on WordPress, I will be going to a paid blog, which will allow me to do a lot more things, and may, and I stress may, have me moving the podcast from Anchor over to the blog. They'll still be two weeks late, because the patrons pay for the privilege of hearing them early, but they'll be available in a different location. In fact, I may have them in both places. So anyway, I want to thank David and Avis and Bruce, and Jame, and Marion, and Mark, and Kevin, and Peter. You folks are wonderful. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Now we move on to our Monster Movie Review, and the theme for the past several ones I've done has been, What the Fuck Did I Just See? And this movie is not like some of the others I've reviewed and will review, where you had a crappy movie with crappy monsters, crappy acting, crappy everything. This is a movie that actually has a pretty good story. As giant monster movies go, it's pretty good. It has pretty good acting. Better than average, maybe. It has everything going for it except the monster. And if you are a monster movie buff, as soon as I say the title, you're going to know what I mean. The movie is The Giant Claw. The Giant Claw, which was also called Mark of the Claw, mostly while they were filming it, because I've never seen it shown under any other name except The Giant Claw, is a 1957 American horror monster science fiction film from Columbia Pictures. It was produced by Sam Katzman, and if you know anything about movies, especially low-budget movies, science fiction and stuff, Sam Kessman is one of those guys that never spent any more on a movie than he absolutely had to, and usually he didn't have to spend much. 
It was directed by Fred F. Sears, who was also famed for his low-budget stuff. It stars Jeff Morrow and Mara Corday. And both Sears and Katzman, as I said, are well-known, low-budget, B-film, genre filmmakers. And this movie was made to be released as a double feature with The Night the World Exploded, which, when I was a kid, that was coming on TV. We all rushed to see it. Big ripoff. The world never explodes. It's not even a very good movie. It's boring and dull. Maybe I'll review it someday, but probably not. Anyway, The Giant Claw is all about a giant creature, a giant flying creature. You don't see it for most of the movie, and there's a good reason. Mitch McAfee, played by Jeff Morrow, a civil aeronautical engineer, while engaged in radar testing his flight near the North Pole, and a lot of shit happens up the North Pole, so if you're ever in one of these movies, don't go anywhere near the North Pole. He spots an unidentified flying object, and three jet fighters are scrambled to pursue and identify the object, but one aircraft goes missing. Officials are initially angry at McAfee over the loss of a pilot and a jet, and they think it's been a hoax, and you know he suffers from being the object of their anger. When McAfee and mathematician Sally Caldwell, played by Mara Corday, fly back to New York, their aircraft also comes under attack by a UFO. With their pilot dead, they crash land in the Adirondacks, where Pierre Broussard, a French-Canadian farmer, comes to their rescue and reports seeing a monster that he calls La Carsan. Of course, McAfee goes back and reports all this again. The military is still very skeptical. But then, shit starts to happen. Several more aircraft disappear, and they discover that a giant bird, as big as a battleship, purported to come from an antimatter galaxy, let that sink in, an antimatter galaxy, is responsible for all these incidents. Now, aside from maybe the antimatter galaxy stuff, this is setting it up as a pretty good monster movie, right? Sounds sort of like Rodan or any number of other movies. The military believes him because they've lost a bunch of planes, the creature's been sighted, and they're working feverishly to develop a way to defeat it. And the climactic showdown takes place in and over Manhattan. The giant bird attacks both the Empire State Building and the United Nations Building. It's defeated by a special type of exotic atom, the muonic atoms. Now, there really are such things as muons, but this was all bright and shiny new when they made this movie. And it's deployed from the tail gunner position of a B-52 bomber and kills the monster. I'm not giving anything away. The damn movie's old. That's the movie. That's the plot. That's the basic what happens in the movie. And as I said, pretty good story, pretty good acting. And what sinks this movie, what makes it a laughing stock, is the monster itself. Now understand, this is a low-budget movie. And there's a lot of ways they could have gone. The movie was inspired by Rodan. It was inspired by new discoveries in the field of particle physics, like antimatter and muons and things like that. So they were wanting to put those buzzwords in. And it was also inspired by the story Grandfather and a Winter's Tale about La Carson. The problem is they didn't have enough money to do the monster using stop-motion animation, which is what Katzman wanted in the first place. He wanted something by Ray Harryhausen, actually. But due to budget constraints, because, let's face it, 
He was probably spending about a buck thirty on his whole movie. He went with a low budget special effects studio in Mexico City, Mexico, to create his mythical creature. That would be the showpiece of the production. And the results were, however, a poorly made marionette. Now, I can see a whole bunch of problems in what he's doing. First of all, it goes completely down to Mexico, where it was probably, and it was low budget in Mexico, so it's bottom of the barrel special effects place. And he tells them generally what he wants, but nobody from the production of the movie ever went down or even had them send them pictures of what they were building. So the final puppet is just stupid looking. It is, I swear, the stupidest looking giant monster in any giant monster movie you will ever see, and I've seen almost all of them. It's just idiotic looking. You can tell it's a marionette. It's just, it's terrible. And I didn't see it in a theater, but I saw it in a living room with a bunch of my friends when we were all about like eight years old, and we laughed our asses off at it. And yes, that's what people did in the theater. In fact, much later, Jeff Morrow confessed in an interview that no one in the film knew what the titular monster looked like until its premiere, because of course it's special effects, so you're not really looking at a monster. You're looking at a place in the sky or green screen or whatever. Morrow himself, and I'm reading this from Wikipedia, Morrow himself first saw the film in his hometown, oh God, that's terrible, and heard the audience laugh every time the monster appeared on the screen, which they did everywhere this movie played. He left the theater early, embarrassed that anyone might recognize him, because it's his hometown, and he allegedly went home and began drinking which I cannot blame him for, although I doubt he could drink enough to put that behind him. So that's the movie. It is out there. It is shown on television from time to time. It has popped up on Turner Classic Movies. You can watch it on YouTube. Just absolutely a movie that was completely fucked by a terrible-looking monster. Most of these movies, if the monster is not too bad looking, it's usually got a shitty story or bad acting or somebody forgets to record any dialogue or whatever. No, this movie, it was the shitty monster. So if you've never seen The Giant Claw, absolutely see it. If you have seen it, I haven't told you anything you haven't thought of already. And next time, we will have another monster movie that makes you say, what the fuck did I just see? <laughs>